Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, Justin Baker, my co-host, and I are talking everything trade rumors and the most latest news in the National Hockey League. It's uh, It's been a little bit. Justin, I mean, everyone's dying to know, how was your honeymoon in Paris? Oh my gosh. Uh, it was great, man. I just uh, can't complain. I I'm pretty sure I actually lost weight. I'm not even sure how that happened. Wow, like a uh, ton of walking or what? Yeah, yeah, just a crap ton of walking. I mean, my wife tried to – I remember one day my wife tried to kill me. She made me walk up like 20 flights of stairs uh, to go to this church to, that overlooks uh, – it's called uh, Marmont. Uh, okay. Overlooks like the entire city of Paris. You can basically see everything from above this giant hilltop. But uh, getting there, there's like no way because the streets are so narrow. It's like those old school Italian streets where – like you only have like one car length and so no buses or you know the metro doesn't go up there so it was just a ton of walking and uh but yeah food was great uh you know had a little had a little uh honeymooning with my wife so can't complain about that or at least that's what we were calling it (laughs) yeah that's oh that's great i i uh something about going to europe and and eating the food it's just a different game it's a different ball game over there you know what's crazy though so speaking of food, not to not to cut you off, but um, so no joke, we, we get to we get to Paris, and the first thing we did, uh, you know, we had to basically convert our COVID cards into uh, what's called a health pass over there in France, right? Okay. And basically, it's just like an app that you well, you get a piece of paper, you pay them thirty bucks, you get a piece of paper that says you're vaccinated, and it's got a QR code that basically you put on an app, and now every time we went into any restaurant, uh, they would they always asked you first before you walked in, they said, you know, health pass. And so they, they'd take their tablets out or phone and scan your health pass and you'd go sit down and get a table. Well, what was so weird to me is they, you know, they, they want everybody to be safe and, you know, all this, these COVID measures, but then literally the tables, I'm not even kidding you. were like, I had four inches of elbow room between each table. Everybody masked <laughs> off just with eating. I'm like, what is the freaking point? If you're putting everybody so damn close together and it, and in France too, like the thing is, is, you're supposed to take your time and eat and you know hang out for a couple hours. Yeah, so, yeah, that was that's always the like the vibe. Yeah, so like what the f? I'm sitting next to this guy for a couple hours with no mask on. <laughs> like, why did you even bother to ask me if I have a health you know a health pass? Because I, I'm I'm sure there's so many people in there that you know have fake ones or just you know. And then you could also get a health pass by just testing weekly and oh, okay. not being vaccinated. So. You know who the frick knows? It's it seemed kind of pointless to me, honestly. All those measures, and then they they put you two, you know, two inches away from somebody right next to you for a couple hours. But I, whatever, food was great. I that's all I can say. Hey, there amazing, you go. That's so. what matters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna you're gonna travel in these these times, you're just gonna deal with the crap. But good. I'm glad yep. the food was still good. That's oh, that's yeah. what matters. It would have been horrible to go to France and be like, yeah, actually the food was garbage because they, you know. Less workers or something, but that's that's good. Glad you guys right? had, had a good time. And uh, well, I missed you. My well, yeah, I missed you too. But yeah, it was. I feel like it, that whole Christmas time just flew by. I don't even know. It seems like it was so long ago, but it was it was like two weeks ago. I know, right? <laughs> but it, it feels like a, a several months ago. I don't know why. It just kind of clumped together. But it was fun. We had a good time. Lots of family time, and uh, you know. Good lots deal. of hanging out. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, well, in the National Hockey League, 
there has been, uh, you know, we, we went quite a bit of time without game, any games at all. And, uh, and I mean, there's still some teams that are barely playing at all. And uh, we're, we're still seeing a lot of postponed games. That's kind of starting to come to an end. But now we're to this point where we're, we're rapidly approaching trade deadline. I don't know if they're going to move trade deadline, uh, you know, with, with the way that some, some, several teams have a lot of games to make up. Will that make any difference? Like it'll be, it'll be interesting in terms of, you know, the percentage left on a player's deal. What happens if a player has played, let's, let's just throw out 60 games. But the team that he's coming to has only played fifty, because your salary is is broken up into like an eighty-two game schedule, and you know in the, in those time like that's that's kind of how it's broken down. So how does that player that player might potentially somebody who gets traded could play an extra ten games or an extra five or whatever it is. for sure. I think you're gonna see. Maybe a couple guys. Well, with COVID, I guess it's uh, you know everyone's gonna eventually seems like gonna test positive at some point and have to take a game or two off. But I, I would I would bet that at the end of the season we're gonna see some players who have played eighty four games, maybe eighty five. Uh, I, I wonder what the if they get extra money for that or, or what happens. I don't know. Good question. Just just a random thought, but. There is plenty of going on in terms of uh, the, the trade rumors. We talked Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames have both fallen from a position seemingly of, of strength in the Pacific Division, the so-called weak Pacific that was supposed to just be a cakewalk for the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights have, uh, despite <laughs> despite everything working against them, have lived up to wh- what we kind of thought they would be. Uh, we thought maybe they would be a little further ahead at this point, actually. But at 23-14-2, they lead the division. Then it's Anaheim, Los Angeles, and my God, the San Jose Sharks, uh, who I don't think that's going to hold. Uh, Calgary's one point behind with four games in hand. So that's a, that's a pretty big... The, the four games in hand, you got, you're thinking they're going to get at least probably two points out of that. So, uh, But you got to win the games. Uh, but Edmonton has fallen out of a playoff spot. They were first place in that division. And not to mention, you've got Vancouver, who are 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10, rolling since Bruce Boudreau took over. And, I mean, the only weak team in that division at this point is the Seattle Kraken, who are just god-awful. They're so bad. <laughs> yeah, I God, I feel bad for Seattle. They're, they're also going through a whole bunch of injuries and uh, you know, guys getting out with COVID like like most other teams right. in here. But you're right. I mean, Calgary and Edmonton started so hot and they've they've cooled off recently. And so um I'm with you though. I think San Jose is definitely gonna be a team I look at to kind of cool down and uh fall a little bit in the standings, especially with, you know, Edmonton and Calgary still games at hands behind them. And so um, you know, Calgary sitting fifth, really if you look at the win percentage, they're really second place in that division if you want to go off by percentage of points there. So Calgary's still in a good spot. Just, um, you know, can they get it together? Because their last 10, they're 3-6-1 and one, and nothing to, you know, in a three-game losing streak as well. So, you know, is it time to hit the panic button? No. But, uh, you know, trade deadline will be approaching. 
there'll be some games made up here with the Olympic break coming soon and All-Star weekend, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, with all the craziness that that has uh, come about in Canada, you, you can you could kind of probably point a little to that, that, like, it's just been so weird for some of those Canadian teams having all of these games postponed. You're going a week between games. I mean, there are some, like, okay, uh, we kind of get maybe why right now it seems like Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, the the Leafs are are an exception but they're also very good. Uh th- those four teams in particular have uh in Canada have have struggled and I wonder if it has to do with the extra covid protocol stuff happening again and the frustrations with that and just the time away and uh I'm I it has to play a factor uh, one thing with Calgary. Now, you know, I look at Calgary. I look at Edmonton. And, of course, Edmonton down Connor McDavid. I mean, <laughs> everything's built around a guy more so than any other team in the National Hockey League. Connor McDavid's out. The Oilers are in trouble. I and mean, it's it's just, that's just a fact. Uh, so that, that certainly hurts. But with the Calgary Flames, you know, they've only played 11 games out of 33 at home. That is... I mean, they have been on the road a lot. They've done really well on the road, ironically, but uh, you got to think that, you know, being on the road is going to catch up with you. So, you know, that much. So I I think once Calgary starts to get home and starts playing a bulk of their home games, I mean, 11 out of 33, I mean, they've got, at this point, they've got 31 home games of their last 49 games. (laughs) <laughs> they're they're going to be pretty well. at home a lot, and you got to think that that is going to uh, to be a pretty good advantage for them. They're they're also I mean, a plus twenty one in goal differential. Like this is a team that looks like they'll be okay. They'll be in the playoff picture. Uh, six games in hand on Anaheim and and five points back. Like it, it looks pretty good that they'll that they'll be a playoff team at very minimum. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers though. The way they're kind of trending, it's uh, and 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 it's their goaltending, and I think that's where we need to start with some of these trade rumors because that might be the most important. Uh, I mean, in terms of teams that were supposed to be contenders, that's the most important move. The Oilers need a goaltender, and I mean, frankly, no one else can score outside of Drysaddle or McDavid, and that's why Evander Kane is being pumped so hard to go to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, for a minute, it looked like it was a done deal, and now it's—I uh, guess you know—people are still doing their due diligence and sitting back and waiting. And uh, maybe he's talking to other teams, just figuring out what his best move is. But my God, on a one-year deal, I mean, what, what we have three months left of the regular season. Why in God's name wouldn't you sign with the Edmonton Oilers? <laughs> like, you can go and play on on McDavid's wing for the rest of the year, end up with over a point per game, and you're going to go somewhere and you're just going to get paid again because teams are desperate. <laughs> Even though you're a freaking asshole, you're probably the worst person <laughs> like to have in a locker room. <laughs> the Oilers are desperate. Yeah, and that's where you're going to need. You're going to need. I mean, obviously, you know, this season is pretty much a wash as far as you know when you worry about locker rooms and stuff like that, but. Um, you know, I think if he goes to Edmonton and that's probably the smartest play for him, I know, uh, you know, there initially were talks of 20 teams interested in him, but, uh, from what I, what I hear, there's really only been four teams that are pushing real hard on Evander Kane right now. And I think one of the other teams was the Carolina Hurricanes. 
Uh, and that's a locker room I think, you know, that would be a very good fit for him because obviously Rod Brendamore is not going to take any shit from anybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, he'll, he could physically just still dominate Evander Kane anyways. So, that's uh, true. but if you're smart, if you're a smart hockey player, like Evander Kane is, and he's, he's still got enough talent on the ice to, to be worthy of a, another contract. I mean, why not go play with Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl? Cause you will rack up. I mean, over the course of an entire season, you could be a, you know, easily a point per game guy. So, yeah, I would say, you know, if there was one team that, uh, that should go in on, on Evander Kane, it's the Tampa Bay lightning. In, in my opinion, you, you know, you, you gotta, a guy like that, you bring him in when you have a strong locker room. Yes. With the Edmonton Oilers, it's purely a we can't score, we need someone. Uh, he's going to come into that locker room. Things will probably be fine. Like, it's only three months. So, things will probably be okay. You know, when you, you get that second chance and the honeymoon is on, things will be okay for those three months. And then you can, then you can leave. Uh, and you can figure out things long term. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, he's not somebody that I would want around long term on my team. No, well, th- what no I will tell you, you is Tony D'Angelo, right? There's a prime example of a True. guy who was a locker room poison in New York and comes to a good locker room in Carolina. And yeah, I haven't heard a whisper about yeah. anything negative with this guy. So agreed. Yep. Yep. And that's, and you need a strong, you need a strong locker room in order to bring in somebody with a lot of baggage. Yep. Uh, so that, but you know, there's, there's been guys, um, I think of, oh, geez, why can't I think? Uh, who was he played for Ottawa for a while? Then he went to Florida. Mike Hoffman. Uh, Mike Hoffman had a lot of baggage coming out of Ottawa. Remember, there was that whole thing between like him and Carlson's wife, Carlson's <laughs> wife, and all that, and like yeah, just like weird stuff. And and he was fine. You know, he went to some better teams, and it was fine. It's amazing how being on a on a good team makes you not be an idiot because you you're not angry all the time. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but who who would you look in ter- for the Oilers? Who are we looking at to uh, come in and, and play goal? Because uh, you know, as as I look around the league, Mike Smith is out. They just recalled a, a goaltender from the American Hockey League. Where are we going here? They don't have much cap space. I mean, I guess they get a little bit of reprieve with Mike Smith being on IR, but I mean. There's, there's just not much there in terms of actual cap space. So what do we do? Yeah, obviously Edmonton's going to be sending somebody back with some money, right? I mean, that's that's a given at this point. And I think any team that's looking to make a deal with Edmonton has to be aware of that and knows that's coming. Um, now, if I'm looking at teams, you know, again, uh, that have a goaltender to spare or are looking to move a goaltender, the first one I look at is the Vancouver Canucks. Yuroslav uh, Halak is... Uh, a guy that obviously he's a UFA after the season, but when he plays his 10th game, he's slated to receive a $1.5 million bonus that will count against the cap. And Vancouver right now is so tied up against the cap. They literally are sitting him because they can't afford to pay him that bonus right now. (laughs) So obviously they've been, you know, reaching out to people, seeing who's interested. This guy is still a good goaltender. He's put up some good numbers. And at 36, I think he's still very capable of being a good 1B goaltender on any team. And who knows, maybe, you know, when Smith comes back, you know, maybe they can, you know, trade games down the, 
you know, down the stretch here and still keep them pretty fresh. And I still think, you know, either one of those guys when healthy are still capable of going in and being capable playoff goaltenders. Now, are they still guys that can steal a playoff series? No, in my opinion. But I still think they're good enough to win your games. And that's what you want. And that's what you haven't really got out of, uh, you know, <laughs> what you've had in Edmonton so well, far. Well, Ka- so- Koskinen's actually played pretty well. I mean, he, he's been okay. He's, he was he was pretty good when Smith went out initially, but he's he's kind of reverted back to his old self. Where like he's gone in stretches where sometimes I watch him and I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And then, then other times yeah. I'm like, "Okay, this guy's a decent goaltender." Because I I can't remember who it was against, but I just watched Koskinen's positioning, and it is some of the worst positioning I've seen. Like, yeah. and maybe it was just that one particular game, but I just remember sitting there, like, pondering how you are an NHL goaltender with such bad positioning. I mean, he was just. He was cheating so much on each side, and it was just ridiculous. Anyways, that being said, I think, speaking of Koskinen, I think he's probably going to have to go back the other way with probably, you know, obviously Edmonton holding on to a part of his salary, but I think that's going to have to be a piece. Or Man, maybe I a guy like, like that's so difficult to do, though. Like, you know, I, it absolutely I'm, is. I'm thinking, like, okay, who, uh, you know, who are, who are we looking at who could potentially move? I mean, there's, there's always Alexander Gorgiev. You know that's that's been. Uh, I mean, right now Shesterkin's hurt, so that's probably not going to happen. Or is he on COVID pro- protocol or something? Yeah, yeah, COVID protocol. So I mean, he'll be what back I- soon. But uh, I mean, Gorgiev would be one who maybe is out but there. But as an RFA, he's going to cost you quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, And I don't I think Edmonton wants to spend that in the assets. And I know Kenny Holland said he hasn't. But what? But I will say there is another goaltender on a team that's going to be a seller. Um, who has played below average this season, but who knows, maybe a change of scenery will revert him back to his older ways, and that's Corpusalo out of Columbus. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, know. I mean, that, especially since they signed, signed Merlickens to uh, a long-term deal. I mean, he's obviously the odd man out. He, he has right. played rough. You probably could get him for pretty cheap. Uh, you know, I, yeah. w- I wouldn't imagine it would take more than a third-round pick to, to get Corpusalo. Yeah, I I mean again, that's you know those are really the two best options in my opinion. If you're uh, if you're Edmonton, I don't see anything as far as an upgrade being available now. Uh, I would say Craig Anderson. I was thinking about throwing him in the mix, but you know he he's month to month at this point, so who knows when he's coming back? And I think if you're Edmonton, yeah, you want to pull the trigger sooner rather than later, just because again, I think Calgary's going to start to pull away from you. Well, and do you uh, really want to have Mike Smith and Craig Anderson like? You've got like Father Time and <laughs> Father Time's slightly younger brother, who is an Irish twin. Like they they are not <laughs> far apart from each other. <laughs> um, just to just to throw out some other options um, that might come very cheap, uh, but could play. You know, like could just be a, a decent fill in. Um, Anton Forsberg in Ottawa. Uh, he's been he's been actually pretty decent for Ottawa, almost a nine. A nine I think he's at like nine zero eight save percentage. So mm-hmm. he's he's uh, pl- played pretty well for a team that is not very good at all. Uh, but you know, there's. I, I think originally we were thinking that well, you know, maybe the Kings will will offload Jonathan Quick uh, with Cal Peterson playing so well, and and the Kings probably aren't going to make the playoffs. But shoot, now the Kings are in a position to potentially make the playoffs, that's not going to happen. Right. And and the other thing is that even teams that are going to likely miss the playoffs for a 
eh, a third round pick like for for just bare bones assets i mean not that a third round picks nothing but your chances of a third round pick turning into an nhl player who makes any impact is is what, like 15 20% so it's it's it, very minimal yeah yeah so the other side of the coin is well everyone's getting out with covid protocol you know like at some point now i i know that once players test positive now they don't have to to test again for 3 months so once your goalie's tested positive and is has been out at this point you're basically good for the rest of the season not not playoffs notwithstanding but you know if we're talking teams that are sellers that's not that important but uh, i'm just thinking you know do these teams look at it and go i mean we might need that other goalie <laughs> even just to like get through and not look like complete garbage uh, like we don't want to pull up our fourth our fifth string like you know, and injuries happen all the time, and teams are starting to to really rely on two goaltenders. Uh, you know, that second goalie usually plays between 25, 35 games a season. So it, I think that it's going to be maybe more difficult to squeeze a goalie away from a team just for bare-bones assets. Like Maybe those teams hold on to those guys because they want to be assured that they're going to have an NHL-caliber roster if their number one goalie goes down with injury or due to COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that for teams that are in contention for a playoff hunt, because obviously, you know, if you have to go to your third string and you're fighting for a playoff spot, not ideal. Right. So, um, but obviously there's teams that are going to be sellers and clearly out of the mix. And those are the teams that I would look to poach and, uh, you know, Halak's a different story, but a guy like, you know, Corpus Allo or Anton Forsberg might be a, you know, an easier grab than, than maybe we think. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you know, I mean, there's Chris Trier and, and Philip Grubauer one, two punch there in Seattle. Everyone expected them to be a pretty good power, you know, power duo in net there. And Drieger just has not looked good at all. Uh, he's only played nine games this year. Uh, maybe he's somebody that, you know, you, he's he's signed, but not for a ridiculous amount. You know, three point five million. And if you're willing to give up assets, if Edmonton's willing to 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 deal, uh, I, they are basically came out and said we're not giving up our. Uh, not basically, they did. Holland said at this time we're not ready to give up our first round pick because we aren't. We don't think we're in a position to where we're going to win, uh, which is telling. But you know, maybe if they're willing to. Uh, to take on Koskinen's contract, flip for Drieger, and you know you you give up a a third round pick or something like that, a, a second round pick. I I don't even know if they have a. They don't think they have a. Uh, they have a second round pick, not a third round pick. Uh, for this for this upcoming draft, obviously they've got some in the future, but uh, you know I don't know. I I haven't heard anything about Drieger, but. He seems to me to be somebody that you could offload, and some of these teams that have that need more cost control, he would be a a, a pretty good option. Especially, I mean, three point five million for a backup goalie is a lot. No, oh, no, absolutely. I think yeah, that's definitely a little bit of money for a backup goaltender. But I think uh, you know this season is kind of a wash for Seattle. I think they they didn't expect to do very good. Um, you know, I think they were expecting to be towards the bottom. They're still building, but they've got two goaltenders locked up for a couple more years after this. And I think basically what they're going to do is really reevaluate in the offseason. You know, I mean, 
you know, they're not going to get, in my opinion, they're not going to get a ton of, uh, they're not going to get a big return for a guy like Chris Trigger right now, just because again, um, you know, I think, you know, he's played okay this year, given the team in front of him, but he hasn't played great like he has in Florida the last couple seasons. And since you've got a couple more years left at 3.5, do you want to take a chance on a guy, um, you know, and get stuck with, you know, paying a backup $3.5 million if it doesn't pan out, you know, next year. So, um, you know, teams will be a little bit more cautious. And I think, you know, Seattle, again, wants to kind of hold on to the assets they do have right now. Um, you know, I really, honestly, they're going to they're gonna look to move a lot of UFAs and hold on to the guys they have signed, really, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, Mark Giordano, again, is yep. a name that's definitely going to be moved. Carl Yonkrock, those guys will be on their way out. But I think goaltending is going to be there to stay. Yeah, Mark Giordano is uh, is probably the biggest defenseman who potentially could get moved. Him and and John Klingberg has been out there because you know the of course the news came out a couple uh, about a week ago that he had requested a trade even though he went back and he he said well that's that's not really true I didn't really request a trade he basically <laughs> said you know if if you're not going to sign me to an extension then I would like to move on which is totally fair I mean that is definitely a very different thing than going, I want to be traded. <laughs> to, right. Which is, so it got, you know, it, it got reported. I think it was Dave Peñola. Yeah, he, he reported that he asked for a trade. Now, not wrong, but also missing some context. So uh, John Klingberg wants to stay in Dallas. Do they want to sign him for eight years? Uh, like eight, eight, eight times eight. I don't know because he's kind of taken a big step backwards. Uh, and you know that it can be debated whether or not that's Rick Bonus, his head coach. Which basically, since he became a head, he, since he became the head coach, John Klingberg has dropped off considerably. So it, it makes sense that you know it, it is the the coaching style of the game that they're playing, and it's not unleashing Klingberg the way that he was when he was you know playing with Heiskin and more, and uh, that that tends to help too. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Now, Kleinberg to me is a guy who I, and unless Dallas completely falls off the map, um, they're going to hang on to him. Obviously, I think they, you know, they're still in the thick of it. They're still in the mix, and you know they're going to be they, fighting though? for a playoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> six points back. Yeah, I mean, so I, if you look at the wild card, you know, they got you know some games at hand, but yeah, I still think they're you know they're only what they're, certainly they're they are in it. Uh, yeah, and and they've been. I, I think we could all agree that they've probably played at a lower level than what we expected. I mean, 4-10-1 on the road is just horrible. They've also had some really unlucky stuff happen, like those two games in a row where they blew the lead and then lost before they got to overtime both times. <laughs> uh, and Bonus was, of course, going ham on the bench. I think he got yeah, fined 25, 25 grand. grand. Yeah, it's good. It's a good te- 25 grand temper tantrum. I I'm trying to think of a time in my life when I would have paid $25,000 to go off. How right. I I can't ever th- I can't think of one time <laughs> where where something made me so mad that I would give $25,000 to smash a stick. Yep. No. Uh okay. Uh well, Mark Giordano, where do you think he's going? Because he's uh, definitely going. I think he's definitely going, right? Oh, without a doubt, right? I think when you look at defensemen on the block, really the big name is Jacob Chikrin, and then I think it is Mark Giordano after that. When you look at defensemen, right? Very different Chikrin, Very different teams are going to be probably going after Chikrin that would be going after Giordano because 
Chikrin obviously signed to a long-term deal. He's young. He's going to cost a bunch. He'll probably, you know, it won't cost as much as what Eric Carlson fetched for the Ottawa Senators, but my expectation would be that it would be something similar, like two first-round picks and plus. Sure. Yeah, and plus. I mean, he, he good is prospect. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a quality defenseman. I mean, he's really coming to his own this year, but... Uh, for Gio, obviously he's a rental situation. And to me, um, you know, I look at one team that seems to be in the mix of every superstar player or every uh, big name player that's on the block at every trade deadline. And that's the Boston Bruins, right? Um, I think he's going to be a, a, you know, a good fit in a team like that because he can provide top four minutes. He can move the puck still very, very well. Um, obviously, they brought in Tuka Rask finally for a one million dollar one year deal. So maybe is this kind of like a last hurrah, a last push? Because when you look at this team, man, I mean, Patisse Bergeron's going to be a free agent after this year. Uh, Brad Marchand obviously still signed, but, uh, you know, he's got to slow down at some point. I mean, I don't think anybody's looking at Bergeron thinking he's going to go anywhere else. No, no, I don't think so either. But, um, you know, again, you know, do you make a push now at this point with him being 36 years of age to say, hey, let's go after one more? Uh, I mean, he. You know. You're right. That it would make probably the most sense for the Bruins in terms of teams that are up near the top. What what a top four defenseman who can play a big minutes on a power play and uh, can really bring something offensively to your team, which is something that they're struggling with. And I don't think that it's been said enough how you know well there are a lot of talk about their forwards being the problem you know oh the top the bottom six does nothing i mean even outside of uh i mean i guess since they they put pasta with taylor hall things have been uh been looking better for them but uh definitely their bottom six just has not produced but is a lot of that because they don't have the 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 defensive the the, little sorry the defensemen who are moving the puck properly up to those those like well, I'll say lower caliber players. Uh, you know, of course, McAvoy is a, is a world beater. I mean, McAvoy is a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, but once you get outside of him, you have a lot of average defensemen. Like Matt Grizzlick, he's, he's a good player. He's fine. Mike Riley, he's fine. John Moore, fine. <laughs> Brandon Carlo, he's pretty good. But there's no one else on there that is really blowing you away offensively. Like Brandon Carlo has six points in 31 games. You know, uh, there's there's no one that is going and it's going to make you stop. You know, that that Giordano type of player where, you know, he, maybe with a with a reset with a really good team, Giordano could be close to a point per game defenseman again playing with the right guys. Yeah. Once again, I mean Grizzlick two goals in 33 games. Like there's there's no one back there that's scoring goals for the Bruins from no. the defensive side. And that Absolutely that hurts. Not. Yep. Yeah, we, we've talked about it numerous times, and, you know, offense starts from the back end, right? Because if you can't move the puck out of your zone, if you can't, you know, if you can't make that first pass, that stretch pass to really, you know, jumpstart the offense, it, it's hard to transition in today's NHL. Um, you know, and especially when you're, you're in, you know, you're in an Eastern Conference where you have so many teams that are just so dynamic offensively, and you're you know, you're trying to win these two to one games. I mean, yes, they they definitely have a guy like Pasternak who can take over offensively and really drive a lot of offense. And same with Brad Marchand. But 
you know, again, you still need that for your bottom six. You, you still need other guys who can help provide a little spark on offense. And then not only that, too, but you can look at him to say this would be a perfect fit on our second power play unit. So, again, you have other options and you don't have to rely on, you know, your top five guys on, you know, up front in the forward position and, and Charlie McAvoy every single time. So to me, Boston's a really, really good fit as far as Giordano's concerned. And the other team that maybe I could look at and say, okay, he could probably fit in here pretty well uh, would be the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, you know, again, I've, I've heard their name in the mix for a guy like Jacob Chikrin. But, you know, again, I think uh, they have a bevy of riches when it comes to defense. So I just don't want to see that. But um, <laughs> I know I feel like we're always talking about them trading away a defenseman. But, but they, did right. lo- they, they did lose Dougie Hamilton. And that, that was the biggest blow, you know. Yeah, but I mean, Tony D'Angelo has worked out pretty well. I mean, my God, he's his production is insane right now. I mean, he's got 24 points in 26 games, six goals. I mean, that's nothing to beat your head out at either. And they've got a young prospect by the name of Ethan Bear that they got from right. from Edmonton. And uh, like not pretty, to mention, let's pretty good move there. Yeah, let's talk about the the top three guys there and <clears throat> Brett Pichy, Jacob Slavin, and then Brady Shea, ah, who's been okay. But um, you know, again, Giordano would help round out. You know, he could slide in the, in the top four. He could also slide in on your bottom pair there. And, you know, because he is up there 36, 37 years of age, you know, you give him a few less minutes a night and he still can contri- contribute, you know, with your bottom pair and on that second power play unit. Yeah, and you can play him where you want to. You know, you can you can put him out for offensive zone starts. Uh, he's definitely not going to be your, your deep in the defensive zone, late in the game kind of guy anymore. That's just not Giordano. Right. But if you can set him up, put him in the offensive zone, he absolutely can still make that nice pass and and make good decisions in the offensive zone. And that's, uh, I mean, not that Carolina really needs that. Carolina's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, They've been phenomenal. I mean, a plus 42 goal differential. By far the tops in the league. Uh, Yeah, they've been been fantastic. Uh, uh, Who was I going to point to? I just had something up, and uh, oh, uh, one side note for the uh, you know, in terms of some players that are unsigned and maybe are about to raise their stock a little bit and be ready just in time for the playoff push. Devin Dubnik and Eric Stahl both are likely going to be on Canada's Olympic team. And uh, Eric Stahl just signed with the Iowa Wild so that he can get ready and prepare for uh, his role on the Olympic team. And Devin Dubnik's been playing with the Charlotte Checkers. And, I I mean, Devin Dubnik to me is somebody who, as a backup, could definitely probably go in and, and do something for a team. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers. Go back to Edmonton and, oh, and boy. Uh, get a little, you know, if there's still injuries going on there after the Olympics, if they still haven't solved their problems, you know, maybe Dubnik's interested in going there. He's from Calgary, so it's, it's not too far from where his family's from. Uh, I mean, that, that would be a, a fun homecoming. But Eric Stahl in particular, who I think still has something to offer. Uh, he played really well for Montreal in the in the playoffs and he, when, when he played, uh, I think Eric Stahl potentially could show off some, some of his talent in the, uh, in the Olympics and sign with the team when he comes back, you know, what, why, why not? If a guy's been playing all Olympics and he does pretty well, 
you're definitely going to sign him to a league min to bring him in and and see if you can you know draw even if it's on your fourth line. I mean, having somebody like that in your locker room, you're not going to complain. He he did have eight points in 21 playoff games uh, last year, which is solid for for a fourth yeah. line guy. For a fourth line guy. Um, and Bobby yeah. Ryan's out there too. Another name. Right. I, I haven't. Ryan, there's- I haven't heard anything about. I don't think he's playing on Team USA. Oh, he's going to. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yep, yep. That's uh, what I've been hearing. He's he's definitely thrown his name in the hat for sure. Um, yeah, I think from they, what I've heard, anyway. I I think I saw they just. Uh, oh yeah, they just announced it. I think they oh, said they? they were. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, listen. I mean, listen. Team USA doesn't have a lot of uh, big name talent. Oh, uh, they did. Uh, they to, did name it. They did name him, and uh, and he is not on the roster. He is not. No. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, Matty Beniers, uh, he was the Seattle second overall pick. He's on the team. Uh, Brendan Brisson from Michigan, he was Vegas's pick. Uh, so a couple Michigan players, a couple Minnesota guys, like basically all a bunch of hockey or uh, college guys and then a few guys playing in the in the KHL. Nick Shore, you're probably familiar with. Andy Mele, I mean, Matthew Nyes, not, not a ton of big name guys, but uh, I guess I guess Beignier being the the biggest one. So no Bobby Ryan on Team USA. Wow. Okay. Well, too there slow, you go. Too that slow, perhaps, because it is on the big ice, right? Isn't yeah. It? Oh yeah, definitely on the big ice. So yeah, that could be. Oh no, now, I think they might have changed that. I maybe I I honestly can't remember from the last Olympics. I did not. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I did not watch much of it. No, the last one was uh, was was bad. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that was that was rough to watch. I mean, but what what I will say is, I'm interested in like a lot of these college kids, right? Especially with Michigan, they're ranked number three in the country right now, and they're they're looking to push for a national championship with guys like Owen Powers, uh, you know, Maddie Beniers, all these this top talent on Michigan's team. You know, do these guys want to for you know? Do they want to remove themselves from their 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 college team to go play in the Olympics? And I would have to say, yeah, probably because um, you know how often do you get a chance, and who knows what the future is going to hold for these guys. Now, I do think a lot of them are going to be you know exceptional talents, but you know especially you know maybe a guy like uh, you know maybe some guys on Team Canada where it's it's definitely going to be very very hard to get onto in the future. So if NHL players do return eventually, so. Um, you know, hey, I I think that you know if it was me, I would take the chance. But you know, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it has uh, any impact on on some of these guys signing with teams when they get back. It, it could. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it's going to be. Are you know? I'm thinking, am I going to be watching a Leafs game or am I going to watch Team Canada play <laughs> in right. a round robin? I'm probably going to watch. I'll probably watch them both. But uh, I mean, I guess they'll also be at a weird time. That that is the one good thing is that those games are going to be on at what like seven a.m., mm-hmm. eight a.m. Yep. They'll be on during like they'll be on at weird maybe in the afternoon or something I don't know or really late in the in the more early early butt crack hours in the morning. So I'll have to stream them again like later on in the day on like uh, Peacock or right right one of those right streaming services. So I mean at that point I'm just watching highlights. I. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm just I'm not interested unless the NHL players are there. That's just me, I and mean, that that might be 
that might be short-sighted. It's not that there can't be good hockey games, and not that good hockey isn't played outside the NHL, but in in this tournament, I mean, you're, the Russians are going to bring it. They're going to have a good team because they have a professional league that they're going to send their guys, and, and that's probably going to be a big advantage. So we'll, we'll see, but... Uh, yeah, but I'll they're going to be without two of their backup goaltenders from the last Olympics, which uh, Shosturkin and Sorokin going to be over here. So. True, true. Yep. Yeah, and that was they were a big part. They were a big part. Uh, yeah. Any other team you want to uh, you want to dive into right now? Yeah, I guess so. You know, when I look at when we we've been talking about trades here, uh, talking about teams making a push, and one team I I, I look at um, in particular that I, I would like to get your thoughts on to see. You know, again. They've never really been, in my opinion, a big trade deadline team. But, again, it could change this year because they're projected to have uh, $54 million in deadline cap space. So they could they could make a move or two to bring in a big-name player uh, you know, like a Giordano because they can afford to absorb that $6 million um, you know, cap hit at the deadline. But uh, that's the Nashville Predators, right? Mm-hmm. This is a team that's playing way above expectations, in my opinion, right now at the top of that division. Um uh, you know, I think eventually maybe teams like Colorado, uh, St. Louis might catch up to them and might, you know, realign the the tables to where they 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 should have been, what I predicted this season. But um, I still think Nashville is going to be a team that's going to be right in the thick of things at the playoff hunt. And, you know, again, do they make a move? Do they bring in a big-name talent? I know, you know, again, we've got Philip Forsberg, who's going to be a UFA after this season. So do they make a push to say, hey, you know what? We're still we're still in this. We're still you know committed to winning, and so do they. They kind of say, "Hey, listen, we want to keep you," and so we're willing to you know spend big here to say, "Hey, we're we're going to be a good team in the future." And so uh, maybe a guy like Phil Kessel, right? They go out and they try to bring him in because I know Arizona will basically you know because not a lot of teams can absorb his cap hit. So maybe they bring you know bring him in for next to nothing. That would be I don't know. yeah. That would be a. I mean, I don't think that. I don't think he's going to cost next to nothing because I think the Arizona, uh, what what you would likely see outside of a Nashville situation where they do have a lot of cap space, uh, I think what you would see is Phil Kessel gets traded to the Ottawa Senators for five minutes and then they they scoop the other half right like they do right. they do a, a th- his 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 cap hits six point eight so Arizona keeps three point four sends them Ottawa holds a one point or some team holds a one point seven and gets a fifth-round pick, and then he keeps on going to wherever he's going to end up, and then he's got a $1.7 million cap hit, and most teams could figure that out pretty easily. Sure. So, I, I, But the fact that it wouldn't cost you that extra pick to be able to have to do that, that's that's a big advantage. I mean, that's just there's just less involved, so you don't need to get another team involved. You don't have to have another general manager chatting with you. Uh, I think that's ideal, and... Yeah, Phil Kessel, I think, would be a good fit in Nashville. Uh, the A good fit in the sense that, yeah, does Nashville need an extra goal scorer? Sure. No, everyone could use an extra goal scorer. The only thing about Kessel, I, I wonder, does he fit the vibe of a Predators team? This Predators team is basically like New York Islanders 2.0, right? Like, they, you look at, at their team and you go, I mean, they have a couple good players. But they're not the best players by any means. Like, nowhere close to even top five at their position. That Like, they don't have those guys anymore. Uh, or right. they, they really haven't had those guys at the forward position. They, they Roman Yossi, um, all right, we'll, we'll give you, a, like, a top ten defenseman uh, nod in there. But 
or at least you know has the potential to be but the predators are are very similar to the new york islanders that they they just kind of do it as a collective they work their asses off and they they've been winning games and they're getting great goaltending and they have a great system john hines has has put together a team that can forecheck well uh just like he had in new jersey when things were going well in new jersey they were a team that was relentless and he's done that in nashville and so i I don't know if Phil Kessel fits the vibe for that. I, I think that you probably need to go out and find players that are a little more gritty. A little more not not gritty in like, yeah, they're not gonna score goals, they're just gonna play defense. But you need guys who are that quote unquote hard working type of player. I just don't sure. know if no. Phil Kessel is that. No, no, that, I get it. I absolutely get it. And maybe maybe you stay in Arizona and now you you look, you know, down the center's position. You say Travis Boyd, right? Why don't you come over? I think he could be a guy that would you know, definitely grind, be a good fit there. Um, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking I, like Chris Tierney in Ottawa. He's a UFA yeah. at the end of the year, and I I really like the way that he plays. I mean, he hasn't had the greatest year this year, uh, but to you know, he he play can play center, and that's that's big. He can win your faceoffs. Uh, I know Connor Brown's got an extra year in his deal, but Connor Brown would look good in a Nashville uniform. I I love watch. I love Connor Brown. I always loved him on the Leafs. He was he was fantastic. He just priced himself out because he he played way better than <laughs> than uh, than people thought he would. And, and Ottawa was willing to sign him to a big deal. But uh, I mean, seventeen points in twenty five games. Connor Brown could fetch a, a nice nice deal for the Senators. And I I mean, I don't think he's going to be in a position to to really be good when the Senators get good. Like he's the kind of guy who maybe has another two or three years left of decent production. Uh, so Connor Brown, he would be a, a good have if if I'm the Predators. That's, though, that's the kind of guy I'm targeting. Like somebody who, who fits my mold of what I want. Okay, I love it. Yeah, I, I love Connor Brown. So I would totally be on board. I mean, if you're Nashville, if you can get him for a third round pick and maybe Ooh, you know, know something third else a third and fifth, maybe uh, a second especially with him being signed beyond this year i i could i could see if you were going to do a third round pick you'd probably have to give up a a pretty reasonable prospect, prospect as well um i mean would you yeah. would you go uh, i mean what about like a i know you just you just acquired him but maybe like a what do you think of Cody Glass? Is there any like Cody Glass? Just seems to me to be somebody who's. I mean, he's playing well in the in the A. I mean, he's got twenty two points in twenty seven games. Uh, so maybe he's maybe he really is somebody that Nashville will call up eventually if there's an injury. But you know, I'm just I'm just looking at at prospects that Nashville has that they could deal. Uh, but. It's probably more likely a draft pick. You're not really concerned about a second round pick at this point because it's a second round pick now where you're positioned is going to be fiftieth or later probably. Sure. So, so not not a huge deal if you have to give up a second round pick for a Connor Brown, but that that to me would be a a great way to fill in the the bottom six. He could play up and down your lineup everywhere. I mean, he's just so versatile, which frankly is like half the Nashville lineup. <laughs> so maybe I mean yeah. maybe on the flip side maybe your thought on Kessel is they don't have anyone like Kessel. So maybe he would be a good fit because 
yeah, you've got a bunch of guys who can play all up in the lineup. They don't have a guy who can just stand at the top of the circle and pick the corner. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, having veteran guys never hurts come playoff time, right? And he's he's a guy that's got the rings. He's been there. He knows what it takes to go deep in the playoffs. And I think when push comes to shove, right, if you have to get in those scoring battles, you know, I I don't see Nashville surviving those types of games. And so, um, you know, not to necessarily say that they're going to end up in those types of games, but, you know, again, I would like to have that kind of guy on my team should we get to that point. And, you know, again, if, you, if you're putting Phil Kessel on your third line, you're not really utilizing him all the time anyways. Sure. Um, you know, so you don't have to put him out here in those big defensive Lots minutes. of offensive zone starts for Phil Kessel. Right, exactly. Yes. Lots of power play time. So um, that's where he'll excel for that team for sure. So um, now before, you know, before we move on, one guy, I, it's it's been sticking on my mind, and I want to I want to touch on him before before I forget. Who do you want to touch? Um, you want to touch? Yeah, I, I I got a guy I want to touch here. Okay, leave me alone. Uh, do you possibly see? Because I don't think this team is going to be making the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to get their act together in time. And that's the Philadelphia Flyers. Do you see a scenario where they go to Claude Drew and say, "Hey"? We're gonna move you, get something in return, and give you a shot at a cup here. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, I've heard a lot of conjecture. Um, you know, Elliot Friedman talked a little bit on Thirty Two Thoughts about where Claude Giroux might. That his opinion was that he will be moved. Um, right. And there's been you know a lot of chatter within the Philadelphia organization. Um, I my hunch is is no. My I. I no. just get this like ever, the last the last few years. Who else have we had come up? Ryan Getzlaff, right? He was there was a lot of talk about Ryan Getzlaff being traded, and oh, trade deadline came. He didn't get moved, and he wanted to stay put. And then he signed his one year deal. Uh, you, you had, I mean, how many times was Joe Thornton a free agent, and everybody talked about him getting dealt at the deadline, and he wasn't dealt at the deadline. And you had. I mean, like Joe Pavelski, he wasn't dealt at the deadline. Now, he signed somewhere else, but uh, you've got these long-standing players who have been in a in a situation for a really long time, been with the team. And it seems to me that lately they've been sticking around, that they go, no, I'm good, uh, don't trade me, and we'll just like... We'll just figure it out in the off season and and sign a, you know, either I I don't think that Giroux is going to sign a one year deal. Um, I think he's he's still productive enough. I mean, he will be thirty five. Uh, when's he born? January twelfth. So oh, he just turned thirty four. So he's only thirty four. He could sign a he could sign you know a, a two year deal or maybe even a three year deal. But uh, my guess is that he'd want at least a two year deal in a in a new deal. I mean he's. He's still basically a point per game player. He's going to score 25 goals. He's going to end up with over 60 points again. I I mean, I don't know why if he's willing to stay in Philadelphia, why you wouldn't want to keep him in Philadelphia. Uh because I mean, he's just been there his whole entire career and that's and that just seems to be what what players want to do, especially during the like during all this craziness right like who wants to go and move <laughs> during covid like if you can avoid it to just say no nah, like i'm comfortable here i've literally been here for 16 years why not stay so i'm of the opinion that he's going to just say i want to stay put i want to help 
I want to be a part of the solution. I think we're closer than we think. Okay. So, so here's my thought and it's a pretty wild one and it's one that we, we don't see. And one I'm just hoping that finally plays out at some point in my life. Um, you know, we see these guys, big deals, big name players, they're becoming UFAs and they, you know, obviously are on terrible teams, but they hang around, right? Because they've been there for a while. There's the loyalty factor. I think management and Phil. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. But I think management is going to go to Claude Giroux and say, you know what? Please waive your no movement clause. We are at the point where we need a big shakeup. We need to shake this team up tremendously, and we're not planning to re-sign you. We don't want to bring you back. We want you to go somewhere else. We want to start moving pieces. And I think they try to talk him into moving that way, right? I mean, they don't come out right and say, you know, we don't want to sign you. But I think, I think Philadelphia wants to try to move on from some of these veteran guys they've had. I mean, obviously, they, they traded Borchek in the offseason, bringing Cam Atkinson. And Aristolainen. Uh, <laughs> right. And I think, you know, again, maybe JV, you know, JVR gets moved in the offseason because he's on a one, you know, he's got one year left after this. And I think they're trying to make some moves and move some of this big money out because I think they need the cap space to try to, to bring in different guys to, you know, maybe get some picks back and start rebuilding the cupboards a little bit better than what they have. You know, maybe they make a play for, you know, maybe they throw out an offer sheet for a guy like Brock Besser this offseason, you know, maybe try to do something crazy like that. But to me, um, or bring in a guy like Philip Forsberg, right, because Nashville has been known to not pay out big money unless you're a, a centerman, right, with, you know, barely any production to your history. So, um, <laughs> so you know, I think right now is the perfect time to, you know, for management Philly to say, hey, Claude Drew, we're, we'd like you to go somewhere else and take a shot at winning. And I think they, you know, again, with his $8 million cap hit, you know, I think you're going to see a scenario like you mentioned earlier where you Traded have to twice. move them between a couple teams. Yeah. And maybe, in my opinion, I would love to see this happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see him end up in a place like Colorado, right? The Avs land a guy like Claude Giroux, put him on the wing, you know, on your second line with Nazem Kadri. And oh my gosh, would that be fun to watch? Yeah, yeah, that would be. Uh, I mean, they they do not have any cap space, Colorado. They right, have, no cap space at all. So maybe you send a guy like uh, Natushkin back the other way, or maybe you convince yeah. them to take Eric Johnson. Right? I don't know, but um, you know that's a long shot too. So um, again, how about knows, we trade Claude Giroux to the Pittsburgh Penguins? Dude, would that be fun <laughs> or what? <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think that you could do that. If you, I don't, I don't think he know, would wave it to go there. Although, I mean, I think him, him and uh, Crosby are friends. Oh, I'm sure after that, yeah, that that old series at 2000. Right. Gosh, what was it? They're best buddies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're they're friends uh, now. For sure. I have heard the you know is uh, I've heard the rumor that Claude Giroux eventually ends up in Ottawa. That that would be where he would sign because that's where he's from. And then he'd go back to Ottawa for the final, you know, two, three, maybe four years of his career and help the senators to turn things around. So huh. I, I have I have heard that once or twice that he's he's wanted to go back and play for the senators later in his career, but I, I don't know if that's still the case or if he would do that, but that's nevertheless something. Well, I it'd heard. have to be for next to nothing because, um, you know, they don't like to spend money there. But right, what I right. will say is this team definitely could use an infusion of some leadership there for sure outside of Brady Kachuk. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be great for sure. Um, anyone else uh, that you're looking to be 
I mean, just big name players. I wanted to throw one out in terms of goaltenders. We didn't touch on them, but Mark Andre Fleury is absolutely going to get dealt by the Chicago Blackhawks, and how the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, outside of his, I mean, it's really his his contract is going to be the thing that uh, that scares people away. He's obviously making seven million bucks, but you can turn that into uh, 3.5 and then 1.75 pretty quickly. And pos- and I'm sure that the Chicago Blackhawks would be willing to take Miko Koskinen back for uh, in exchange, you know, for the right deal. So, I, but I would think that isn't it crazy that Mark Andre Fleury was dealt for like basically a bag of pucks and the rights <laughs> to sign Chris Draper, right? <laughs> like he was dealt for nothing. And I can't even remember the name of the the goalie that he was dealt for. Uh, Basically, just to say, we don't want to pay you anymore, so go away. And yeah. now, is there a chance that the Chicago Blackhawks get... I, I think they're getting... If if they're dealing Marc-Andre Fleury, there's no way they're just trading him for like a fourth-round pick. Not a chance. He's he he's going to fetch a second-round pick. Maybe a... Could he get a first-round pick? For a team that was no. desperate, like with the Edmonton Oilers, I know they just said, ah, we're not willing to deal our first round pick, but what if it made financial sense and they were able to make it work? Chicago eats half the deal. Okay, so if Chicago eats half the deal, that's 3.5 going the other way. And then Chicago also takes Mika Koskinen, so that's 4.5. So now you are actually up a million dollars and now that leaves you some more space to go, what? You bring in Evander Kane, and then you still have a little bit of room to go and make some minor deals at, at the deadline and, and just shore up your bottom six, whatever the case may be, or or your defense, whatever you want to do with that extra coin. That could be a reason. Like, that to me, you're trading your first-round pick not just for Marc-Andre Fleury, but for the cap relief to be able to go out and do more. Any chance... Yeah. Any chance that happens? Oh, gosh. Maybe if the tough, Oilers right? are really playing well, but still can't stop the puck. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think the, the Oilers are going to target a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury because I do think ultimately the, the cap situation is going to be too difficult for them to finagle. Um, you know, I think with, with that large of a number, I think they're going to have to give up more assets than probably they would like to at this point, considering the fact that Kenny Holland and, you know, myself included – do not have a lot of confidence that they're going to make the playoffs, right? So, I think they'd make the playoffs with Mark Andre Fleury. To be honest, like to be completely honest, I mean he's he's like six months removed from a Vesna Trophy season. <laughs> sure, no, I, I I agree. I think with an uh, an Andre Fleury, this you know they could be a wild card team for sure. Now, you know, I I guess maybe if you look past Edmonton, you know what other team might be interested in a guy like that. Um, Gosh, when I look at these playoff teams, you know, who needs an, you know, number two that's going to cost you that much, you know, in terms of assets, it's kind of hard to say right now at this point. Um, the only team I could really think of that I, I could see making a play on Mark Andre uh, would be the St. Louis Blues right now. Yeah, um, Bennington hasn't been the best. No, he's been okay and just okay, right? But if you're, you're a team like St. Louis that's, you know, up there in the, the top of that division and you're looking to really make a, a push in the playoffs, you know, who knows where Tarasenko might end up after this season. They might deal him at some point. Um, 
you know, and you've got obviously Perenko's contract kicking in next season. So now you've got three defensemen at 6.5 and Dingington still signed at six. So you, you don't think have there's, much cap space. Do you think there's any chance that Tarasenko is traded at the deadline? No, no, I don't think so. I, as long as the Blues are in the playoff pitcher, I mean, winning cures most problems. So I would agree. He stays there yeah, for sure. I've seen but. him on some lists of like, uh, you know, hey, here's the top 25 guys who might get traded, and I see him on there all the time. I'm like, I don't, oh, for I just sure. don't see Oh, Why not that. throw his name in there, right? Yeah. I just don't see it. Uh, Thomas Grice, I know that his numbers haven't been great for the Red Wings. The Red Wings have been, you know, they've been a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. Occasionally they play really they play really well and they are they shut down Connor McDavid and but then other nights they you know, they look like a team that will probably finish towards the bottom of their division. Uh, any chance does Thomas Grice get dealt? I mean, he's a UFA. Uh, maybe his numbers are at, like somebody who watches them a little bit more. You probably seen Grice play. Uh, how has he looked this year? Yeah, he's looked. He's definitely looked, um, you know, below average for sure. But I think, you know, again, if a team's going to go out and make a move, Detroit eats half, half his cap hit at three point six, and you know, you you send him over. And I think, you know, for a fifth round pick, yeah, I, I have no no problem. A team maybe looking for some goaltending depth. Maybe you know they're, you know, close to the deadline, and you're you know dealing with injuries, COVID related or not. Um, you know, he's a guy that I feel I would feel okay with being your backup, sure, or even your third playoffs. string guy. Like just right. just to have uh, can't hurt. You know, like the Leafs last year traded for David Riddich, even though they didn't need him. Uh, but sure. well, they they didn't need him long term, but they ended up playing him what like five or six games because of injuries, and uh, he just wasn't very good anyways. But yeah, team like Colorado, right? Bring sure. him in. Uh, you know, for next to nothing, and I mean they they definitely have their goaltending issues right now. I think so. You know, maybe yeah, maybe Colorado is the Mark Andre Fleury solution, right? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's just stick with the Red Wings to end the show. Uh, Nick Letty, Danny DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, Nemesnikov, Sam Gagne—these are all guys that are UFAs. Uh, who who's going, and who do you think is going to stick around? And uh, you know, and uh, not all those guys are going to get traded. Yeah, uh, personally, I think Nick Letty's going to go. Um, I, I do think he's still a very capable top four defenseman. I mean, he can still move the puck very well. Um, you know, unfortunate for him, he's been on a team that just defensively just doesn't have it. Uh, there's so many ups and downs with this team outside of Moritz Sider on defense that it's just, you know, and Philip Ronick's been good. But outside of those two guys, really, the defense hasn't been that great. And, um, you know, again, they're giving up, like, it seems like 45 shots a night. But, uh you know, I, I think a team could still use a guy like Nick Letty. I think there, there'll be a line of suitors who would love to add his veteran presence, his puck-moving abilities. Um, you know, granted, he's not a right-handed shooter, but, you know, I don't think that matters when you're looking for depth on defense. There's always teams willing to do that. Now, Mark Stahl's got a no-movement clause. Um, he definitely would probably waive it. Now, I, from what I understand, he really likes Detroit. He likes being here. But, you know, again, I think there's so many young players coming up in the system. I think, you know, this is probably his last year with Detroit. Yeah, would you wave so, it to go to a contender? Probably if you're Mark Stahl. Now, Nick yeah, Letty, absolutely. Nick Letty, though, I mean, the Red Wings traded a second-round pick and Richard Ponick for him in the offseason, right? Like, this was that's six months ago they made that deal, um, which 52nd pick in the draft. I have a feeling 
that the Red Wings are not going to go like they're not going to take any less than that. You know, a second round pick and to you know basically recoup what they gave up for them. Sure. Uh, and say thank you very much for for helping us defensively for this first the you know seventy five percent of the season. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, if you're when your eyes are in and you make that move, you're. My guess is he's thinking we can trade Ponick in a, in a second, and Letty will play great for us, and then we'll trade him for a first round pick at the deadline. Like that, that would be my guess is that that was his thinking that that could it could potentially turn into more, and you get a good defenseman. I actually wonder if Letty will stay. I I haven't heard anything about him moving, and I like you know you need guys to stick around. Uh, guys like coming and playing in Detroit. It's a good place to live, like a good family place. He's an older guy, but not not too old. Like I I could see him sticking around, signing a similar deal to where he's at right now for for two or three years, and staying in Detroit if. Eiserman likes him and wants him to to be a part of it, uh, unless you could get that first round pick. I mean, unless he's like, no, I'm not going to sign here. But I, I, Letty seems to me, he he's a good guy to not necessarily build around, but to have around in your organization while you get good. And if he's willing to do that, then cool. I mean, I don't. He was pretty surprised. I, I think if I remember right, when he was traded from the Islanders. Uh, and it would be kind of a bummer. Like, all right, I'm on a team that was a Stanley Cup contender, and I get dealt to Detroit, <laughs> who's not good. You know that that would be be disappointing. But I, I wonder, I wonder if he doesn't get dealt, unless the Wings can get something more for him than what they just traded. Yeah, that. I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, obviously, I think Detroit's looking at what they've got uh, coming up. Um, you know, as far as prospects are concerned, I know they've got a few really good key players but you know again you still need those veteran guys right to stick around to to be there and help you know grow these players and you know to me Danny DeKaiser I think he slowed down a little bit too much for my liking so I think Detroit says thank you and then moves on after this season do do you think Uh, that he's dealt or do you think that he's I mean he's he the guy's got three points this season I mean he really has not looked great um, no, I mean he he's been okay, but he's a, he's a defensive defenseman, sure, right? Sure, he's going to be you know a, a team. I think a team would probably make a move for him if his contract wasn't so large, right? I think at five million dollars, right? But well, you're eating half, flip him. right? But I, I don't I don't see too many teams trying to to flip him twice to try to cut that cap it down and at two point five million dollars. I don't even know if I want to take a chance on DeKaiser at no. that price right now and give up no. an asset for something like that. Um, because there are a lot of other options that I think are, are much better, like a Calvin DeHaan in Chicago or, uh, you know, gosh, I don't know, Brett Kulak out, out sure, of Montreal. Out of Montreal you know, yeah. Ben Cherry. I would rather. But yeah, much rather more expensive. Right, much sure, more expensive. Absolutely. Uh, and I could see a team that that has a little bit more wiggle room and is just looking to add you know some vet. Like Anaheim has a ton of room. Anaheim could add a guy like DeKaiser no problem. And, and, sure. And... And could fit him into their bottom bottom pair, have him for depth, and really not have to give up a whole lot. Like you're giving up a maybe a fifth round pick for DeKaiser, I guess. So. Right. Yeah. Not much at all. Yeah. Uh, and then Domestikov, you think he is uh, is he somebody that'll get moved? I mean, he's decent depth scoring. He uh, he does have his moments where he's got some good yeah. hands, uses his body well. And having, yeah, a, having a decent a, season, 10 goals. 
Right, yeah. I think that's going to be a situation. I think the Wings like him and wouldn't mind keeping him around for another year or two, um, you know, on their bottom six for sure. But I, this is going to be a situation where they just go and say, hey, do you want to get moved? And if he says yes, then he's out the door, right? Yeah, but, or yeah, uh, obviously, or if somebody comes and says, we'll give you a second-round pick for Nemestikov or a third-round pick, you're going, okay. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> easy, easy deal, especially yeah. given the position that the Wings are now in. I think if if the Wings were like – all right, we're, you know, we're not doing too bad. We're not going to make the playoffs, but we're going to like kind of make it look like, I mean, that's basically what they're doing right now is we're not going to make the playoffs, but we look like we could. Like we're close enough to where somebody could look at the standings and go, ooh, they're only five points out of a playoff spot. They're pretty good. Like they're definitely not the bum team that they were last year. Um, Right. But to me, some of this is a problem because you don't, like now you kind of know, all right, our younger guys, they're playing well. It's like, just, just bring up the, just, just get the rest of these younger guys a little more ice time, trade away some of these veterans and then recoup next, next off season. Uh, and maybe fall in the standings a little bit. Cause you kind of don't want to be where the wings are at <laughs> in the standings, right. <laughs> right outside the playoffs. You're getting like the, what the 14th overall pick and you can't win the lottery. And so, or you can't like you, it's, you can't move up enough to win the lottery, so you're kind of in that that spot. And I I suspect the Wings will fall. Uh, I think that Columbus, Philadelphia, probably New Jersey all jump them, uh, and probably the Islanders. When I mean the Islanders have nine games in hand on the Red Wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I I think that the Red Wings are better than than Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo. I think that they finish just above there and, and you know maybe above one of these other teams but I think that they're kind of coming back down to earth and that will continue to happen and that, that's a good thing because their development is still going on Lucas Raymond's still playing really well he's just not scoring at the clip that he was early on and that that happens to to rookies yeah and if you're Detroit too I mean obviously you don't want to be you don't want to get too good too fast you know and be mediocre because again sure. you still want to acquire talent right so yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I and I I don't think there's any that that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. They're not getting they they they're like right where they should be, I think. I, I think that yeah. next year they 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 could be in a position where they're actually sitting in a playoff spot right now and they're in a battle. Like they are in a battle but not really. You know, they it they're kind of in a pseudo position because of how many games they've played more than other teams and um, their hot start and whatnot. So, uh, but I think yeah. The nice thing is, uh, with thirty-seven million dollars to spend too, they could uh, make a sure. big splash. So yeah, yeah. I, I uh, and and Detroit is a place where guys will come. So there's, you know, there's some some big name players out there that they could scoop and, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe if Ganey Malkin comes to Detroit, no, no oh boy, so. <laughs> I don't think so. Johnny Gaudreau though. Johnny Gaudreau would be a nice Goudreau. fit in Detroit. Yeah, that would look nice. But I think, you know, obviously Detroit needs a, a center here. But uh, Don't we all? Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> that's, that's why I said Evgeny Malkin, and you shot me down. <laughs> uh, goodness, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe an offer sheet. Let's make an offer Tomas sheet. Tomas Hurdle? Okay. Tomas Hurdle would be a nice fit in Detroit. <laughs> I don't think he would come there because I think he wants to win. Yeah. Based no, on the absolutely. comments I've heard from Hurdle. Well, which, uh, I mean, there's there's – close out the show there's one more guy who i mean he could go anywhere uh as long as the sharks are in it i don't think they're gonna move him 
because I, I you know, I think they if they if the Sharks can get into the playoffs, who knows? I mean, they they've got some talented guys. Uh, they they have a little bit of deadline cap space that they could work with. Now that Evander Kane's off the books, uh, they could potentially maybe the Sharks are like that sleeper team and they they bring in somebody uh, that we're not expecting. Oh well, mm, okay, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, they're they're in a playoff spot right now. They are in Very a playoff true. spot. Did not expect that. <laughs> Didn't expect <laughs> the Sharks to be in that spot. And you know what they say about post Thanksgiving. When you're in the playoffs post Thanksgiving, it's pretty darn hard to fall out. So, and very true. We'll see. All right. Well, that's our show. Find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. And uh, yeah, Justin, I I hope you have a great rest of your night. <laughs> and and, you too. Uh, and guys, we'll talk to you soon.